I'm Jackson Licka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Strip Till Farmer podcast series. Today's program, a sensible approach to cover cropping and strip till, is being brought to you by Dawn Equipment. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it listed here as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to Dawn Equipment for sponsoring today's episode. The new Dawn Pluribus strip-till row unit is the industry's first strip-till row unit with active row-by-row hydraulic down pressure, which allows you to make the perfect strip even if life puts you in a tire track. The new Dawn Pluribus makes a deeper, wider strip and offers hydraulic in-cab row cleaner adjustment, all with the same high speed and low power performance you've come to expect. You can call Dawn today and set up a demo of the new Pluribus at 800-554-0007. Again, that's 800-554-0007. Well, strip-till is as much an art as it is a science, and balancing the two is the goal of strip-tiller Mike Verdonk. Farming 2,500 acres of primarily corn and soybeans, he recently began incorporating cover crops into his strip-till system. But improvisation is also a part of Verdonk's strip-till journey, moving from conventional tillage practices to a soil-centric mentality with nutrient management and soil microbiology enhancement. This includes aggressive experimentation with cover crops and adapting organic farming philosophies. Applying facts and science to a system helps Verdonk get a deep read on his biodiversity and soil cycles and crop rotations. He notes that soil regeneration is critical to not necessarily increasing yields, but increasing revenue. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by Dawn Equipment, We welcome Mike in to share his ongoing soil health improvement trials, which include planting permanent cover crops, bio-strip till, and adapting his fertility program to accommodate soil needs. Yes, my name is Mike Verdonk. We farm 2,500 acres up north near Montreal, Quebec, Canada. We do grow corn up there, believe it or not maybe in the 9,500 day corn, if you want to push it a little bit to 100. But um, we're probably got a microclimate because of the St. Lawrence River. So we've been adapting uh, different strategies in the past year. So I'm going to show you through my, my presentation where we were, where we are, and where we're going. So let's start. Quick history of our uh, farm. In 2001, 2006, we were conventional methods with some no-till experimentations here and there. And we didn't really see good results in no-till. We got heavy, heavy, heavy clay. And I know all of you clay guys want to brag about, we always brag about our clays, but I think I got one of the worst ones in North America. <laughs> so degradation and compaction, perennial wheat pressure, that's what we saw as, as soon as we were going into no-till. And, um, and uh, erosion, a lot of erosion when we were conventional. With all the melting snow in the, in the spring, we saw a lot of problems with erosion. 
we were really depending on chemicals too, especially once you start going no-till, you got all those perennials coming up, so you're pumping up. The, the, the herbicide program is getting really expensive. So 2006, 2012, we started experiment, experiments with strip-till under the Ray Rawson method at the time. So we started doing our experiments. We started, we built our own rig, saw potential there. So we kind of got interested into doing some minimal work and um, be efficient and have no yield drag. So we saw a potential return on investment with some challenges, but we were ready to take a few years to adapt and make the strip till work on our farm. There was always that missing link. We didn't have the adequate equipment, of course. Uh, when you go on YouTube, you see all those equipment working. They work very well, but sometimes when you bring it up north, heavy clays, wet conditions, corn on corn, heavy residues, there's not much equipment out there that's working. So, and soil. Soil was getting better with strip till, but there was always that missing link. I call biodiversity. It's since we're doing row crops, corn on beans, corn and beans in rows, there was kind of that missing root system or, 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 or soil, soil structure. 2012, 2014, we made the big step. We bought a soil warrior. Uh, and that's the first time, for the first time we didn't adjust a machine to try to strip. For the first time we were adjusting a machine to strip. We were stripping and we were getting really efficient. That's an expensive machine. It was a really expensive move, but it's worth every penny because it works in all kinds of conditions. High residues, uh, you can work in dead cover crops, live cover crops, live cover crops or, that are slowly dying. It works in all kinds of conditions. So from there, we were strip tilling without major challenges. We were adapting our stuff, we were adapting our, 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 our methods and starting evaluation our cost of production of operations. From there, we started evaluating what were our costs of operations, our costs of return, and the net gain in effectiveness without yield loss. That's what really what we were looking for. So we, I kind of took all my operation costs and put that on an Excel file and started comparing and saying, showing to my banker, he's my good, a good friend of mine, saying, look at my results, look at how much it cost me to do an acre of corn, blah, 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 blah. He said, oh, I'll just finish with that. Improvement, improvement of soil structure and porosity. But there was always a missing link again. That was that soil structure that we kind of miss and all those perennials between the rows. We had those weed effects where we're still a bit depending on a lot of chemicals. So 2014, 2016, I had all my cost of operation done. And um, I showed that to my banker and he said, that's really good, Mike, but compare that with organic. Let's put organic numbers into that. I said, organic, Cedric, his name is Cedric. I said, it's no good. I mean, look at all those dirty fields. I'm afraid to take my truck and drive by those fields and bring back some weeds to my farm. So it's, <laughs> so I was I'm not considering organic at all. So we started plugging numbers and I said to myself, whoa, they're, they're, they're out of this league. I mean, they're, they're got, they got a higher return on investment than we do. They're really in a different league. They got higher returns. That's for sure. If there was a competition, not high yield competitions, but higher returns on Per acre competition, the organic guys would just beat us all. But then again, we said, let's do it, but I want to do organic stripping. No, no plowing, no tilling, no nothing. So I started making, we made the organic move. Buying new equipment, we had to do a bit of a conventional till, go back to a conventional till, but I didn't want to buy a plow, that's for sure. And everybody, when I attended those conferences and farmers in the organic world, they all told me, don't, if you don't buy a plow, you're wasting your time, it won't work. Weed control is a mess, and you'll just get discouraged. 
So attending this conference, I started meeting people in the cover cropping world. Guys like David Brandt, uh, Jill Clapperton, she made a presentation here a, a couple of years ago, and uh, guys in my area, and they told me you gotta consider organic uh, uh, cover crops if you wanna do strip tilling and, and, and do organic. But then again, these guys told me, why go organic? You can go in between. There's an in between. You can use cover crops, build your soil structure, and depend on less chemicals. Chemicals are a tool. Just use a tool to complete the missing link. But use cover crops and stay the in-between, which I think is an add-on above organic. You got healthier plants, healthier soils, and on top of that, I think you got healthier grains. So from that, I started building contacts in Canada, USA, France. France, they're really out there. I mean, cover crops, they're, they're a couple of years in advance. I mean, they've been working a lot since they got all those regulations and everything. And they're limited on the glyphosate they can use, so they really got challenges down there. Today, we try and consider constant farming, cover farming, playing with the strip, and have always a constant cover. So that's why we're starting to do tests with alfalfa and always have something growing. And alfalfa, you just want to keep, you don't want to burn, you don't want to kill. You just limit the growth. But these are tests where we're working on it. Use all available tools and less chemical dependency. That's what, that, what, that's our main goal. And like I said, we're a level above organic. That's where we're going. And that's what we think we're gonna have healthier soils, healthier grains, but then again, it's not easy. You gotta be careful. Pests are not a problem, pests are a symptom. I don't know if you ever saw John Lundgren, Lou Dasher Farms, I really invite you to go see his website. He's really working for us, the farmers. Um, He's an entomologist. Any entomologist in the room? These are the bug scientists. Well, I saw a couple of entomologists. I don't know if you ever saw a presentation uh, from an entomologist, but they can be very boring. But that guy is really making great presentations, and he brought me to another level of thinking. Have we really learned from our ancestors? Erosions of Civilization, that's a great book, Dirt, by uh, David R. Montgomery. He's talking about the civilization through time that have eroded their soils. Jerusalem at the time was ex excellent soils. Egyptians had excellent soils. Roman had excellent soils. They worked it too much. Degradation, and that was organic agriculture at the time. So it was all eroded through tillage. And these soils now are only good to do olives, grapes. I mean, at the time was excellent soils. Modern agriculture is just a flash in human history. Soil, watersheds, and rivers are de degrading rapidly, so we're working our soils too much. We got more pest pressure, decreased farm revenues due to decreased soil biodiversity. Then again, soils are getting sick. That's, and I'm no ag ag agronomist, I'm no microbiologist, that's just data that I collected through conferences, and Jill helps me quite a bit. She kind of mentors me, so that's a lot of her research. Soils are getting sick depending on more chemicals. We're depending more and more on chemicals. So then again, that's a symptom. You need to ring between the lines. Your soils are getting sick. My soils are really getting sick. That's a poison that kills slowly. Another guy that helps me quite a bit is Mr. Lucien Segui. He's a French agronomist, and he works a lot in Brazil and Argentina and those tropical areas where they got a lot of rain. And he says, if you work the soils like we do, they would have no topsoil in five years. They cannot afford to work the soil in Argentina. So he's working on permanent covers quite a bit. And Laos, I mean, for a lot of guys, say, well, it's Laos, man. They don't know what the hell they're doing, of course. But then again, Canada. Some guys work the soil. When all the snow melts, 
you see all that runoff, and that soil is gone forever, never comes back. But then again, you might say, well, it's Canada, they don't know what the hell they're doing up there. But, <laughs> but then again, anybody that tells, you degrade your soils. Like Lucien says, soil degradation and erosion is the result of heavy telling. It's not heavy rains, it's not winds, or snow or melt, or snow melt runoff, it's just tilling. Tilling is the main problem. So that's why we went away from organic, but took the organic principles and applied it to a strip-till system. Erosion, that's close to my farm, conventional farmer, in the spring when the snow melts. You see, that's coming from my field with cover crops, and that's my neighbor, poor guy, he's plowing. Well, the, the soil just runs away, it's gone, gone forever, never comes back. So you don't use cover crop, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. I kind of like the pictures, I had to put it in. <laughs> Conventional telling methods, it kills fungus that feeds soil bacteria. Eliminates mycorrhizae, but then again, they'll sell you mycorrhizae. So if you want to keep tilling, you can buy the mycorrhizae every year and you'll have the result. But as soon as you till, you eliminate them. But like Lucien tells me, you can have all of that for free if you start building your biodiversity through cover crops. Oxidizes carbon and increases water evaporation. Reduces organic matter, of course. Activate weeds, soil defense system to rehabilitate. When you got weeds, it's the soil who wants, in, the soil needs plants for its bacteria. It's a living organism. So when there's no plants, the soil are gonna, is going to send, send a message to the system, send the weeds, we need plants. So it's going to fill up. So nature doesn't like emptiness. I mean, it wants to fill up. So if there's something, nothing between the rows, it'll send something. If you got no mat, no cover, it'll send something. You need to always have something living on your soils. And of course, activate weeds, and then you're starting your chemical dependency more and more. You're gonna see more weeds if you till, more diseases in soybeans especially. We started see at the time, we started doing soybeans on our farm, we had no diseases, no nothing, everything was great. As soon as we started plowing, doing more and more work, we start disease coming, and then again, like Lucien tells me, it's a symptom, it's not a problem. Your soils are getting sick. That's heavy clay, that's heavy clay, all right? That's one of my soils, compacted, and that's, I'm gonna show you where I started thinking about, okay, I gotta use something else. I thought I was great with my strip-till system, but I needed something more. We'll get back to Mike's discussion shortly, but I wanted to, again, thank our sponsor, Dawn Equipment, for supporting today's program. The new Dawn Pluribus strip-till row unit is the industry's first strip-till row unit with active row-by-row hydraulic down pressure, which allows you to make the perfect strip, even if life puts you in a tire track. The new Dawn Pluribus makes a deeper, wider strip and offers hydraulic in-cab row cleaner adjustment all with the same high speed and low power performance you've come to expect. You can call Don today to set up a demo of the new Pluribus at 800-554-0007. Again, that number is 800-554-0007. Reflecting on Mike's comments so far, he talked about his adoption of organic farming practices to enhance his strip-till system. A cornerstone of this is cover cropping, with a hybrid approach. Viewing chemicals as more of a tool than a necessity, 
Mike adopted a constant cover cropping system to accelerate soil recovery after harvesting cash crops. Constant and increasing dependency on chemical application to combat weeds and pests was having an adverse effect on Mike's soils. While not an immediate impact, he notes that over time, soils can become sick from over-application of chemicals, making it harder for them to recover. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Mike Verdonk on some of the soil rehabilitative benefits of combining cover crops and strip-till. So, from now on, from now on I need to walk the talk. I'll go, what do I do from now? Then we rehabilitate. We said, let's go, we're, doing on the, we're going cover crops. We're going strip-till and cover crops, so let's do tests. So what we do, we take a field, we re-level, you retile, we GPS level, then we retile if needs be. Cover crops, strip-till will not bring back ponding soils or, or, or soils that are not in good conditions. You need to put in the work, put in the money, and bring your soils ready to produce. From then on, you can then rectify your fertility, depending on what you need to be. Is it pH? Do you need lime? Do you need whatever? Manure, if possible, that's always great. I know not everybody can have access to manure. You establish your cover crops right after. The earlier in the season I am, the more species I'm going to put in. You want diversified root system, diversified height of plants. Do you want something that's going to live through the winter? Do you want something that's going to die through the winter? All depends. And then we subsoil if compacted. We use, when it's compacted, the, uh, that tractor right there, it's really heavy and you make a lot of passes. So we use a brilliant zone commander. We go 18 feet deep and we start building our strips that are going to be used year after year uh, with the soil wire. Guaranteed success. That was the compacted soil we were talking about. So in one year, I brought it back to almost what we had in defense with my neighbor. And there we were planting no-till. Some, some fields we tried no-till, some fields we just stripped before in the cover crops. And I was thinking, man oh man, that's, that's the way to go. So off we go. We planted in cover crops. That, that field was stripped with the soil wire. Like I said, it just goes right through. It works very well. And we always leave a check to see, monitor the improvement of our soils. So there we were, planting in that cover crop and leaving a, a, a check strip with no cover crops. So we planted into that. You see the seed right there. It's per, that's no-till. That's in the strip. Perfect. I never saw such good conditions at planting in that field, in that particular field. I called my pioneer dealer. He's a good friend. I said, Gilbert, get prepared, my friend. There's going to be a pioneer sign on the side of the road because that's going to be the nicest corn in the, in the, in the region. Get prepared, my friend. It's going to be incredible. Then, turn dry. That's the corn in the cereal rye. And that's the corn in the check strip. So beginning of June, I start walking my fields, and I call Gilbert, and I said, oh, man, you got to come over. I got a problem. So he comes over and starts looking, and I always trust Gilbert's opinion. He's really good. And I said, okay, tell me, frankly, Gilbert, should I just burn everything and restart, do something else? And he hesitated two seconds before answering. And just that hesitation made me panic and says, he doesn't, he's thinking that I'm going to screw up. So we started digging. 
And you could see that maybe it wasn't working on top, it looked a bit crazy, but the rooting system was really going into the cover crops. That one was using all the top moisture because it was compacted moisture. It used that moisture at the beginning. But then again, he told me, if you could get an inch of rain, everything will be perfect. But it was no rain. Last year was very dry. So I, tell, I go to my wife and I tell Julie, we need that rain. You got to pray for that rain. So a couple of days later, go back. We see that check strip. Always nice. That, the the collar was always nice, though. But it was having a hard time. And I go to Julie. I said, you're not praying enough? We need that water. <laughs> we really need that water. It was getting really, really dry. And I told Julie, I said, man, oh, man, we should have put a check strip of cover crops and put the rest with no cover crops. It would have been much better. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, a couple of days later, we go back. Still no rain. We're getting early July. Corn was getting, like, the rows were closing, but not that one. And I said, oh, man, if we got an early frost, we're doomed. And, and we really need that rain to get the things back up. And she, and she said, Mike, I'm sick and tired of hearing you talk about rain and rain, and you're complaining all the time. So live and let, you're always telling me that your, your, your bacterias are going to take care of everything, and you're rebuilding your soil life, and blah, 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 blah. So let it work. So you know what, Julie? You're totally right. Let's go camping and relax <laughs> and live and let live soil life. From now on, I just let the things go. And as of August, came to the conference here, saw Ray Archuleta. Uh, he had his, like those, those, those final days where you can, it's a limited group. And he told us that if you go to August, what happens with cover crops at the beginning is a slow start. But it keeps all the elements and it gives it back in August. You're, 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 you're kind of spreading the fertilization on a longer time. So that's why you're less chemical dependent. I don't know if you understand what I mean. They, 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 the cover crop, while it dies, it releases all the nitrogen that, it, that has been captured through the beginning of the year. So you kind of get the kickback in August. So right after the conference, I went back to my fields. Everything came back to normal. All even. Everything was perfect. There was no discoloration at the bottom. The corn was just beautiful. And there was, since it was very dry, there was a yield drag, but maybe five bushel difference at the end of the year. It's not that bad and it was an extremely dry year. And I don't know if anybody here knows Blake Vince. He told me, he's in Chatham, Ontario. He said, don't worry, Mike, when it's dry cover crops, he's been cover cropping for quite a while. He said, you might have a yield drag, but it, when it's really wet, you'll be better than the others. And when it's normal, you'll be like the others. So you just need to work and make your new five-year average. Make your own five-year average. Don't compare yourself with the others. Lessons learned. Adapt to weather. Kill early when it's dry. I didn't do that. Don't kill when it's wet. This year is very, very wet. We're living the extremes. Yes, last year was very dry. This year is excessive, ex excessively cold, excessively wet. And it's totally different. Allow soils to re rehabilitate. That's Jill's thinking. She says, soil will always feed themselves first. So microorganism, when you give them the chance, they will use 90% of their, their energy to rebuild their habitat. 10% goes to the crop produce. So the longer you're, farther away you're from a healthy soil, the longer the root is gonna be and the tougher it's gonna be. So you gotta be patient, you gotta work through a transition. We were ready to go towards organic. We're ready to make a transition. So we're making our transition. We know that it's gonna be a tough 
five years, maybe, hopefully only five. Two years to extreme, like I said, this year, very, very wet, very, very cold. In cover crops, in cereal rye, everything is just even, beautiful, fence to fence, perfect. But then again, water infiltration at its best when you got those cover crops in. That was a field that we planted into corn, into tall cover crops, but I didn't burn it because it was very wet. So we, I just burned a day before going with the soil wire into those cover crops. And then we planted right after. See, it's just perfect. But I didn't call Gilbert and tell him, get prepared, my friend is going to be a, 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 is going to be a pioneer sign on the side of the road because it's going to be beautiful. I didn't say that this year. I just said to myself, I'll keep it for myself. And guys were asking questions. Uh, we're still working on it. Okay. Then again, that corn just took off. Perfect corn. It's beautiful. And, I, and there's a pioneer sign on the side because it's one of the nicest looking corn in the area. Now, these pictures, when I made the presentation, uh, they, 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 we didn't really get to the final stage. Now it's tasseled and everything. But then again, that's even, and all those other fields are like going, it's all wavy. Mine is just perfectly straight. I should have used more cover crops. But then again, slowly but surely. That's my pioneer, that's Gilbert, that's my pioneer dealer. Really impressed with the, with the currents. And Mike, it's totally different than last year. You're doing something right. And everywhere he goes in conferences, says strip tilling and cover crops is the future. And he said, you're already doing it. You're on top of it all. I said, I know. <laughs> that's the strip from last year. <laughs> last year, that's the strip where there, where there was such a huge difference. So we replanted corn into that. And you could see that where there was a strip with cover crops from the year before, it's all even darker. There was ro more root mass, healthier plants, almost no weeds. That's the that's the part, the check strip, where there was no cover crops. So you got on that side, it's taller, shorter on that side. That's the side with no cover crops from last year. Root, more root mass, less root mass, of course, less weeds, more weeds, more perennial weeds, or then the lions coming, or stale. Even growth, uneven growth. So it's a long-term effect. Now we're doing some trials with alfalfa. I'm not going at large with that. I'm just doing some trials. So we planted into alfalfa. Alfalfa has a deep root system. It works very hard. It's very tough at the bottom. But then again, the soil structure on top is not that nice. So we're starting to mix it with bird's foot trefoil. And Jill Clapperton always tells me, long-term effects of using too much alfalfa, you can get cyst nematodes. So I say it's always good to mix it with some kind of plant like bird's foot trefoil. But corn and alfalfa, it's an excellent nitrogen source. Better weed control, excellent weed control. Soil structure mixed with bird's foot trefoil is always good, but you got that constant cover. You can use, I can use the soil wire into it if I want. If it's cold, you got all the tools, so using everything. You just burn it, not to kill it, just to, just to, to keep it slow. It's going to come back. But in that test, and that's the corn into the soybean. That I just pulled just to show those, those nodules. There was a lot of nodules, so there's a, that's a big nitrogen source. But I think I burned too much. I think I killed my alfalfa. I went too hard on the roundup. So you got to be careful. Hopefully, it's going to come back. Then, from the year before, I had a alfalfa in my corn that I planted soybeans into. 
But then again, soybeans, you just burn the alfalfa to let it, it's got to come back. So you go easy with the glyphosate. It's going to come back. But then again, hopefully I didn't burn, I didn't kill the alfalfa. It's going to come back. And you got to put your beans seven inches. You got to be narrow rows because you want it to go over the alfalfa and shade the alfalfa as quickly as possible. Alfalfa doesn't like shade, so it's going to stay dormant on the bottom. I think that one's okay because the, the, it's all dead, but the roots, it looks dead, but all the roots are still white. So I think it's going to survive, hopefully. And now that's the field of soybeans going through the alfalfa that is coming, it's coming. Now it's beautiful. Today's beautiful field. And you got that field of uh, alfalfa hopefully coming back in my corn. Now, water infiltration. That's what I like. We had rain and rain and rain this year. These that we had two inches in 20 minutes. And that was, I thought, two weeks ago or something. But we have that quite often this year. It's always, a, I mean, an inch, two inch per week, easily. So I'll go to my strip till and cover crop fields where I install my cover crops. That's a mix of rye, oats, and grims and clover in my corn. Water infiltration at its best. That's my neighbor. He's not here. He doesn't know I got a picture of his corn in my <laughs> Okay, that is, that's corn on corn plowed. He's using the plow all the time. He's been using plow, a plow for years. So water infiltration's not there. And this year was hell. If you, it was so wet that everything that was conventional, it didn't dry out. There was a plow pan at the bottom and water kept lying there. So guys had really problems tilling this year. So that's strip till for five years, continuous living roots for two years. We always put a new root in the system. Always keep the soil living. Conventional tilling, Mobile plow. Now we're going towards a biological approach before a chemical approach. That's Ray's system, Ray Archuleta. So some farmers brag about, brag about yield. I prefer the economical facts. Cedric, my friend, my banker, he really likes the economical results at the end. To be com competitive in our business, we have to know our cost of operations and cost of productions. That's where we saw the advantage of going organic. That's how, that's how we saw the advantage of strip tilling. We're really efficient low cost of production, and good yields. But we're sticking with the strip and the cover crops. High yields don't always give the higher return. If you know your cost of productions, there are some products out there you don't need. Building carbon in soils will become net profits. That's Lucien Segui, that French scientist, that French agronomist I was talking about. He said, your soils are very rich, especially up north. It's really, really, really heavy clay, but it's very rich. You got full of elements in there, but it's locked. You don't have access to it. You just see the goods in the pantry through the window, but the only access you have is a small hole that you try to get the stuff from. If you want to unlock that, you need to work with cover crops. You need to build your biodiversity of your soils. How do you get access to the pantry? You need constant cover, constant plants. You need the solar panel. Like a, a, you, got, you got to absorb that solar energy to liberate or to bring new elements from your locked up soils. Constant cover, soil surface, on the soil surface. Integrate manure if possible. Maximize biodiversity through plants and roots. Minimize soil disturbance. Again, that's what I love about the soil wire. It's an, you can make it work really light if you want. It's a disc, there's no ripping, there's no shanks, there's no smearing. We really love it. Microorganisms will do the work. Increase soil organic matter, will feed microbes, of course. Increase soil water infiltration and retention with root systems. You saw those pictures. I was really amazed in just two years how water infiltration came into our heavy clays. 
that can really, really pump if we got heavy water. Because going organic, going no-till or strip-tilling, sometimes soil structure gets hard. That's how we put our cover crops. We modified a, a, a rotary hoe. We took those rows out. We, put, we bought a local olery guy who makes those tubs, air system that blows all our mixes between the rows. We like to use cereal rye. We mix it with oats. Oats, from what I heard, was a really good fungicide. I mean, it really fumigates the soil. And uh, grins and clover. We use that quite a bit. So we're trying new tests with black oats. Black oats will survive more in cold conditions. It will keep driving for a longer time than regular oats. But it's expensive. It's expensive seed. That's why we want to work at a little bit broadcasting. We didn't see good results because it's expensive seed and you want it to work. So that's our mix of cereal rye, oats, and grimson clover, and that's our mix of alfalfa. That's the one I planted last year that I planted my beans into this year. Broadcasting applications, sometimes they work, but if your soils are not ready, they won't really work. And in our area, broadcasting, sometimes you better wait and seed it, put it in the ground. Expensive seed. That's a wheat test we did, and uh, it came out pretty good, but it's still light density, and a lot of weeds came through it. So it wasn't the best approach. I still prefer using my CCS seeder and drill it in. We got better results. I limit the mixes as fall advances. Sometimes we got, since we're up north, uh, after the soybeans, cereal rye is the only thing that's really going to give an edge. So we only put the cereal, cereal rye in. So that's mostly what we use. Otherwise, if we could broadcast and make it work, we'll put some radishes in there, clovers and things like that. I like my November green. I'm a John Deere man. So if I could make some yellow plants to show the soil warrior on top of that, that would be great, but I don't have any yellow plants that, 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 that drive through. So all my fields you can see through the winter. Uh, they're all covered, they're all living, they're all working. At the, in the spring, when you got those cover crops in, but warm up faster too. If we're all, a, if you leave an empty car in the parking lot, it's going to get cold. It's going to be cold in the car. But if we all go in the car, let's say we go four guys in the car and we start moving and have fun, it's going to get hotter in the car. So it's the same thing with bacteria. They're still living. They're going. At the beginning, early spring, you won't have. It's going to be colder in the cover crops. But once you start approaching planting time, it's going to get warmer than the conventional, because the bacteria are working and they're doing their stuff, and you get that thermal. Effect keeps the light, absorbs the light, and keeps it at night. You got that cover. So in conclusion, innovation and preservation of the farm don't come from above, but from us farmers on the front line of the food production system. That's again, that's not mine, that's Jonathan. Like he said, we're doing the test, so it's important for us to keep communicating together and sharing our experiences. Nobody's gonna do it. No, there's no corporations working on it. It's all hands-on farming and we need to learn and share our experiences. That's how things are going to go quicker and easier. Limit soil disturbance, keep soil covered at all times, most of the time. And we got heavy clays, we're up north, that's why we love this trip. We need to warm up that berm a little bit. Use and increase, or increase biodiversity through plants. Keep living roots as often as possible. Integrate livestock as possible. If you got manure, that's just the best. But be careful, the weeds in there. Sometimes you got some nasty weeds and some manure.
thank you, Mike, for sharing your experience adopting organic and cover cropping methods to enhance strip-till soil health. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Dawn Equipment, and the new Pluribus Strip-Till Row Unit for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast possible. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program. So feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on November 2nd for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series, And a reminder, you can register to receive our brand new Strip-Till Farmer print newsletter debuting this fall at striptillfarmer.com. For Mike Verdonk, Dawn Equipment, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening.